Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have me a very special returning guest, H.M. Long. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Oh, excellent, excellent. I was so happy that I could get you back on because I've read Hall of Smoke now, and I feel like I feel like I was talking to somebody. They're like, well, don't you want to read books of authors before you interview them? And I'm like, honestly, and I recommend this to people, if you could talk to an author beforehand or listen to a podcast they were on. I almost feel like I got the director's like the director's cut or like the commentary. Makes, yeah. <laughs> like I like there were things that you talked about in our first interview, which I highly recommend people to go back and check out our first interview uh, in season one. I think it was like 47 or 48. Um, but yeah, it was so cool because there were things that we talked about in that interview that I'm like, oh, okay, I could totally see, you know, like what you were saying. And there were things that, you know, you talked about were there was like a mystery to me. And then I was able to, as I'm reading, go through and be like, oh, this is what, you know, she meant by this. And I don't know, I, I just personally, as a writer and a reader, I feel like I've, like, I'm addicted to it now. Like I've gotten way more out of it, you know, of reading people's books, like, you know, how smoke like yours, um, than just reading and then talking to somebody. Um, I feel like I have chipped myself in the past. So, you know, like, um, <laughs> some great conversations and some great learning experiences you know as a writer myself but yeah it was it was definitely one of my favorite reads within the last five years it was really like I'm so glad it was really <laughs> awesome um yeah it was it was really good and one of my friends you know who had first suggested you know your books to me um and Hall of Smoke I you know was able to talk to you later and I was like that was one of the best suggestions that somebody has given and it's one of my favorite covers <laughs> <laughs> The cover is super awesome. It is nothing what I expected it was going to be. Um, oh. When I like, I got the email from my publisher, like hollow smoke cover. This was not what I expected it to be, <laughs> but I ended up really loving it. Yeah, yeah it's definitely, it's, it's definitely. I showed it to my mom because my mom got me into design, and she was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is awesome." So I showed her actually <laughs> um, all three within this universe, and she was like, yeah. "That's just so cool." So. Yeah, Borrowed Winter, I just grabbed um, a couple weeks ago. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited. To, well, I have to go back to, though, and, and read book two first. But um, yeah, I was really excited to see that cover, too. I was like, oh, cool. You're going with that same type of thing, but different, yeah. different color scheme. So it was really cool. But yeah, yeah. Hall of Smoke, definitely recommend it for our audience. If you have not read it yet, then you're just you're just wasting a really, really great book. So you might as well go get it today and read it. And then you can post in the comments how to write that you know, my friend was. So Dan, if you're out there listening, <laughs> great job, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we'll go to the first one. I know it's been a while. I know we talked on, you know, here and there on social media and stuff like that. But for our audience, uh, what have you been up to since your third book release, Borrow of Winter? Um, so since Barrow of Winter released, I have written the fourth book in the Hollow Smoke series, Pillar of Ash. Um, the, the Hollow Smoke series actually has an official name now. It's called The Four Pillars. It, oh, it apparently cool. has a real name. <laughs> it showed up on Amazon one day and I was like, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so the the fourth and final book, the one after this one, is coming out uh, January. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Pillar of Ash. The cover is nice and green and gold, and I love it. It just, it looks so good with the rest of the covers. Um, so yeah, so I, I was writing that. I was editing that. Um, yeah, I've been writing and editing uh, Dark Water Daughter 2. The, that's my new series, which is starting in July. We're starting to publish these books in between the Hall of Smoke books. So Ooh. I have a book coming out every six months now. 
Dark Water Daughter is out July 11th, and then Dark Water Daughter 2 is out July 2024. So I have been trying to edit the second book, <laughs> trying to make it something readable that I can send to my publisher. So that's been most of what I've been doing. Yeah, it's been busy. I I, um, I really wanted to start publishing books more quickly and my publisher is wonderful. They're like, yeah, let's do that. Um, but it has been very interesting <laughs> trying to like bounce between projects and they're two very different worlds. Like they're both fantasy, but they're quite different. So making that switch hasn't always been easy in my mind. Um, yeah, but it's, it's also a very much a learning and growing experience as an author. So it's good stuff. That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad to see, you know, this new world take shape because I know in our first interview, you know, you had talked about, you know, that you had, you know, this project that you wanted to do, you know, and you wanted to do this similar type of publishing schedule. So I'm so mm -hmm. glad to see, you know. Oh, I did mention that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have re-listened to our first interview before I did that. <laughs> we were like, I can't mention the name and things because it's not official. I'm like, that's fine. And then when I, but it's so cool when somebody does that and then I see it, you know, take shape on social media, you know, and then, you know, the book comes out, I still have to get my copy. Um, but, you know, it's so cool when that happens, you know, for me, because it's like, I'm a teacher. So I love, you know, seeing that happen for students. So seeing that with authors too, and creators, mm -hmm. it's just so cool. Um, so I was so excited, you know, to see that happen for you. My buddy and I call that this the Briggs method, because uh, mm -hmm. Patricia Briggs does this with her two different series in the same world. And, you oh, know, okay. One, one year. Yeah. Like, I think they're about 10, nine to 10 months apart at this point. Um, but it's nice because we always have something. Yeah. You know, right on the that, cusp. So that sounds like a good distance apart. I think six yeah. months might be a little short. You know, if I could bump it up to eight or nine, I think that would be <laughs> ideal, but we'll see. <laughs> well, people like him and me where it's like, then we want the paperback as well. Cause we, him and I will buy the paper. We'll get the hard, oh, yeah. split it or something like from the library. And then we'll do the Kindle, but we also always like a paperback of her books. So we'll flip them back and forth. Um, mm -hmm. so it's kind of hard though, cause it got bumped back because of her other, like, you know, publishing yeah. thing, the hardcover is coming out for the other one. I'm like, Oh no, like we don't have a paperback right now. Um, uh, so it used to be really nice until the recent, you know, like pandemic and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. There's been some chaos. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a perfect, it was a perfect, um, before it was perfect. Now it's like kind of hard. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, it's like 11 to 13 months. Um, after then, you know, both, uh, mm. both then the paperback will be out. Um, but we always love to do it for that uh, book club reread. So, but initially it was a really good one. So yeah, him and I always talk about that. He's like, you should do something like that. So we're always discussing that kind of release date. So it's nice, you know, because there's enough time in between, you know, I feel like where she, you know, can advertise and stuff like that. Um, and then I totally blank it on what the company is that, that does her books. I only got like 50 of them on my shelf. Um, I think it's like Ace or something like that. Um, okay. <laughs> but it's interesting, you know, because... Um, you know, just seeing how different companies, you know, like Tor and Orbit, you know, release different authors, um, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. it's so long in between. Um, and then other times you're like, oh, this book just came out. So I feel like it's hard to find that, that sweet spot. So yeah, yeah. I think, but, yeah, it'd be interesting to look at that in the future. I think I might do that as an episode now, but I, I'm interested to look back at it in the future, <laughs> like five years from now, if I continue doing this, if it worked, yeah, if it didn't, like, yeah, I don't know. Well, it keeps me busy. Do this. Yeah. No, totally. My, my buddy was just talking about that. He's like, it's one reason why you do these, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it'd be interesting, you know, five years from now to see, you know, what people were doing or, you know, and I had a couple mm -hmm. authors that they're like, yeah, I say this now. They're like, quote me. I'm like, okay. So I was like, in five years, I'm going to quote you. So a couple of friends. That's a little that. frightening. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So we're like, we'll see how these things work out. I'm going to watch what I say, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think that's a perfect tie-in, though, um, to talking about the second question. So what is your Dark Water Daughter book about, and how did you come up with this idea? So Dark Water Daughter is about a weather witch and a disgraced naval officer racing to bring down a deathless pirate lord in, uh, it's, it's an, in an original fantasy world of warring fleets and winter seas. Because I was looking at, you know, like, there isn't a whole lot of pirate fantasy. Um, and if there is, it's always like warm climates. Um, right. Like usually that's kind of like the, the default. And I was like, no, I want it to be winter. <laughs> so, and then that aspect actually really built into the world building because winter seas are much more treacherous. What do yeah. you have to adjust and change in order to be able to actually have like this kind of like nautical maritime culture without everybody just dying all the time and drowning. So weather witches um, and some other aspects. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, a swashbuckling epic fantasy adventure. There is a little bit of romance, uh, but I would not call it romantic fantasy or anything. And I wouldn't want readers to come in looking for that because they might be disappointed. Um, yes, there's just a dash of slow burn romance and it's mainly just adventure and lots of like really, um, really deep lore. It's very atmospheric and of course, cinematic action, which is like one of my favorite elements. <laughs> That's true. Well, that's a great sell right there. I love the blurb too. I was actually looking at it uh, a couple weeks ago uh, again because uh, a buddy of mine was like, I need something. And he was like, I was like, this is like right up your alley. So I sent it to her. She's like, yeah, this definitely seems like my thing. I just didn't realize <laughs> that. No wonder she liked it because she loves the, you know, more than like Northern, you know, winter mm -hmm. stuff, her favorite season. So it's kind of funny that nice. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I guess I missed that when I was reading uh or whatever but that's cool that that makes me think um that's just cool world building but you know it takes me back to to you know some of the things that you did in hall of smoke too where i i got done with the book um and we were on vacation and we we're at like a lake like a resort and stuff and my wife's like, what are you gonna do now i was like oh i think i'm gonna she goes i know you're just gonna go read that book some so, <laughs> back and she was pregnant at the time so you know she was like was sleep a little bit more and stuff so I was sitting there I was like I'm just gonna keep reading this book so I got really into like the lore of your world um mm -hmm. mythology I loved how you did like the gods and goddesses uh, I thought the magic system was really cool um I loved like the I also really loved the like um Oh, just like the, like the reputation, I guess you could say of like the main mm -hmm. character and her order. Um, uh -huh. Really cool. Like, you know, I, but I thought like your world building was really great. And I'm trying to think of like a better way to describe it. Um, it's like, like for the audience, um, you know, cause we always, I feel like it's a, I feel like Hall of Smoke for me was almost like a study. There are certain books I studied characters and not that I didn't love your characters. I did, but like the world building for me felt so real and so layered with just different things you did that I really went back and read different parts just to just to learn essentially you know and I, like, I, I'm honored cool. thank you well, like, it's so cool. you know, <laughs> I'm so glad. It. and I'm like I want to be able to do that you know and it was like so if, I, I just want to say for our audience like you know if they want something you know an author where you know the world building is going to be deep and you know it felt like you had such a, we always talk about the iceberg. I felt like there was an iceberg that we're like, you know, I was swimming in your world building ocean. And I felt like it was like very, very deep below me. Um, for, you know, many ways ever swimming in the ocean in a deep spot or a lake, you know, you can like feel it. And I, when I was going through, you could like really feel it. Um, and I love the different groups of people that you had. So when you're saying weather, witch, I'm like, okay, 
sold, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like definitely, definitely. Because when you're talking about world building, I mean, you know, I think every author says that, but for me reading Hall of Smoke, I'm like, okay, like, I feel like I have, you know, it's almost like wine, you know, your different particular vintage that you like, you know, and mm -hmm. type of world building I really enjoyed. So even though it's a, you know, new series and universe, whatever, I don't care. I'm like sold. So that definitely to me, um, when I was, here. Learn, I was like, oh, this is, sounds really cool. So I was like, definitely adding that to the, <laughs> the TBR file uh, for the summer. But yeah, it was super, super cool. So I was really excited to see, you know, like I said, from the first interview that, you know, you were, um, you know, that you, that this worked out for you. Cause I was so excited to see how you, um, how you were going to world build a little differently for this, you know, mm -hmm. this so for me, that was, that's going to be really exciting to read. So I'm really excited about that. I, I think that readers who've read Hall of Smoke will see some similarities because it's my work and I do love yeah. like wintry worlds and stuff like that. Um, but Darkwater Daughter is, is pretty different. Um, and I, I kind of, I based it more in a historical period before oh, cool. I went off and, you know, started to build out the fantasy world. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's also kind of going to make a, a difference. Like I kind of like pinned the period at like 1738 or something like that. I don't know. Oh, cool. there's, there's a little bit arbitrary, but I wanted to put a pin in. Um, yeah. And then and then I built out. So it has a bit a bit of a more real world feel, but at the same time, not, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I do think readers will see, they'll definitely see similarities with the Hollow Smoke world, um, enough for it to be familiar and still my voice and everything. But yeah, it, it's it's different. It's, it's refreshing. I, I'm very, like I sometimes sit and just read this now. Like I usually when I get to the end of when I get to the point where one of my books is published, I'm so sick of it. I never want to look at it again. Um, this one, I can still sit down and read it happily for an hour. Oh, that's awesome. Like, and I, I'm able to turn off that analytical editing brain and just enjoy it. And yeah, so for me, that's different. I find it hard to a little bit hard to put into words, but for me, this project is different. Um, this world is different. The characters are different. It writing this book was a completely different experience for many reasons. Um, but yeah, yeah. That actually leads us right in perfect segue to question three. So number three, are these books set in a different world? So you said that, right? Uh, but did you find this one easier or harder to world build than your Hall of Smoke series? This book just wrote itself. Awesome. Like I did not write this book. It wrote itself. I sat down at a computer and it appeared. Um, and, but it was able to do that because I have such a long history with the kernel of this book. So it, one of the first books I ever wrote when I was like 12, 13 years old was a version of this book. And it was completely different. Like if I, I think if I set a reader down with this and that they would see very, very few similarities, except the fact that there's like pirates and a female main character. Um, but for me, this is like the fifth iteration of that kernel of an idea that I had when I was okay. a child. So I have a lot of familiarity with this. Um, this is the the final, when I sat down to write this final version, I had decided it's no longer going to be historical fiction. It's going to be fantasy. Um, I'm going to completely unhinge. I, I, you know, did not work off that older material. Mm. Um, I think my, might have some problem with my camera here. Um, <laughs> I did not work off my older material. Uh, I just completely rewrote it from the beginning. Um, blank page, blank slate, 
And I really just gave myself permission to only write what I wanted to. So I didn't write any any of those connection scenes, any scene where I was bored. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't connect with it. I would simply skip it. And that did lead to a couple sections of the book where there just wasn't anything there that I had to go back and add to like, you know, make things make sense. Uh, but for the most part, I only wrote what I wanted to when I wanted to. Um, and I think it took, I think it took about maybe eight to 10 weeks to draft. Um, and it was just a pleasure to do it. Like it was just fun. I enjoyed it. And I've lost track of the original question. <laughs> well, it's just, well, it's so funny because now you you kind of like went into this thing that I've been talking about for so long, though. It's like, you know, and you, I call it the sweet spot. Maybe we should start calling it the kernel book. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> like, but like, you know, there have been so many authors I've interviewed within the last couple of years and have talked to where they're like, or listen to a podcast for someone else, you know, and they're like, um, but they talk about this idea, you know, and, you know, right around anywhere from three, like book four, or book five, you know, some people are able to do it in their third book um, in a different series, but it's just weird when you get that one idea that you're like, I've had this for a long time, and now mm-hmm. I have the experience and the know-how to, I don't know if I say fix it, but to like, to make it grow. Mm-hmm. So you have that good seed, and now it's like, now you have the fertilizer, you know, and the know-how and that thumb to really make it grow, and it's just funny to me, because that's always the book, and that excites me more knowing <laughs> that this book though mm-hmm. because that's always the book for me where I'm like wow you know like this author has gone you know really to a different level and I've just noticed this over and over again so knowing that now I'm even more excited <laughs> um but yeah that's that's super cool that's really <laughs> cool. It's a cool process mm-hmm. well, yeah I, I I hope everyone loves it as much as I do like I know I know it's not going to be for everybody because no no book is for every person um, but I do hope that my, you know, my enjoyment of writing the book and my passion for it does come through. Um, and I think it does. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. what more you need with like pirates and, you know, weather witches <laughs> and the, the high northern seas. I mean, if you need more than that, yeah. this is probably, probably the wrong podcast for you. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, oh, oh, I forgot to ask you this question. I want to ask you mm-hmm. this question because this, this, I love nautical themes i i'm a huge mm. like i got my little sailboat model over here i i i'm not a big like um you know i i, I don't i just i don't do a lot of historical fiction on the high seas but fantasy on the high seas to me is really interesting mm-hmm. so i've always wanted to write you know something like you did on the high seas um maybe i'll put my own spin on it like you did but uh i want to know did you find it difficult to write a book with nautical terminology uh, did you have to do any extra research when it came to, you know, the pirates or the high seas to get the feel right? I was just curious at, um, you know, kind of, did you struggle with those things? Did it take more research or did you already have that previous knowledge? I was just curious how that process went for you. So I was kind of um, a really, really nerdy teenager. So around between the ages of like, you know, 13 and 16, I was obsessed with like the English Royal Navy and tall ships and things like that, you know, as as 16 year old girls are. And (laughs) so I had this, I did have kind of, (laughs) so I kind of had this background of just like loving these things. Um, And I had, you know, and I had written these, these previous versions of this book where, you know, I had done research for that. So I had kind of a base knowledge when it came into flipping into a fantasy world. So I used that base knowledge that I had 
Um, and then I also, um, one of, one of there's two POVs in the book. One is Mary, she's the weather witch and she's from a village in a forest. So that she, I didn't have to worry about her knowing too much about, about ships and nautical terminology because she's not from that world. So that was very easy to do because her yeah. perspective was basically the same as mine. And then the second POV is this naval officer. So of course he needs to know what's going on. So there were times where like he, when Mary sees a ship, she gives very, very brief overview of what the ship looks like. It, she's not technical at all. But when Samuel sees a ship, he gives a very technical breakdown. And writing those breakdowns tended to take a little bit of time. I pull, you know, out some some graphs and stuff again and like decide, okay, this ship is has this purpose. It, so it's going to look like this, this many crew, this many guns, you know, and all this and break that all down. So that it was a little bit challenging, but... Honestly, and I, I hate to play the fantasy card, but it is a fantasy world. So in the end, I didn't worry too much about becoming too technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the average reader isn't going to, they're not there to learn nautical terminology. They're there yeah. for a story. So I gave enough to show like that this character has this knowledge base. Um, and yeah, and after that, I just kind of let it go a little bit. That's and the fantasy world just gives you a lot of room to breathe. And of course, the world building and stuff give you constrictions that you have to work around that aren't part of our world necessarily. So there's creatures called gistings. They are, they're basically, they're kind of like tree spirits. They grow up from another plane of existence. Um, the only thing they can interact with in the human world is wood. And they live in these trees in these forests. And then the trees are harvested and carved into figureheads and then the spirit from that tree becomes the spirit of the ship. And they, they, are, they live in the figurehead of the ship and they help protect the ship. They, they guide the ship. They have you know, control over the ship to a certain extent. Um, and then of course you have the weather witches. So between those two, it really kind of changes how, how things are done. Um, and it has a, a pretty big effect on you know, this nautical world and making it different from ours, so. If this, I was just thinking, sorry, I was thinking in my head, like, as you're explaining this extremely cool <laughs> world building feature, I wish, like, if this were, if this were, like, a TV show, I would have just stared into the audience camera and been, like, do you see what I mean about her world building? Like, that would have been, like, the perfect, like, you know, breaking the, <laughs> the fifth wall or whatever it is right there. Um, but that, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it's, like, a really <laughs> Thank you. I, I love it. Like, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a forest person like so I really wanted these these the, the, and that image of well I, okay I got the gisting trees I'll get a little bit of an insight I was inspired to write the gisting trees I was in Wales um in a small town and they had outside the town they had this church and this churchyard and in the churchyard were these huge old yew trees mm. and this was this was uh, something was happening um over on the mainland there was some sort of phenomenon with the sun that day and everything was orange. Oh, so cool. I'm in this like medieval churchyard with this giant ancient yew trees and the sky is orange. And I was like, I have to put this in something. This is amazing. <laughs> so that kind of be that evolved and became the gisting trees, these like giant mysterious trees. And then what would people use them for? Like people are going to do something with that. Right. So they become the figureheads of ships. That's really yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> why do these interviews because now you got my brain a churning <laughs> well the yew tree is on like page one so <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's really cool well, that's yeah. awesome uh so it's funny because we keep going right into the next question which is like perfect flow uh did you change your writing style or your process at all for this new series i know you said it was easier was there anything you know in particular you know versus the other books that maybe you did differently that maybe made it a little bit easier I think so. I actually very drastically changed the way that I wrote for Darkwater Daughter. Um, I wrote it nonlinear. Oh, so okay. that, that goes hand in hand with only writing what I wanted to each day. Yeah. I literally only wrote what I wanted to. It's like, ah, this thing in around chapter 40 is what I want to write today. I'm going to write that even though I wrote chapter 12 yesterday. So I really hopped around. Um, I did have a loose outline. So um, I had a general sense of where I was going. Plus, like I said, it's kind of an iteration, another iteration of previous books. So I had a lot of, you know, it was pretty solid in my head. So I, I wrote it non-linear. I only wrote what I wanted to. Um, and then uh, what was the first part of the question? Oh, sorry. I was just, I was thinking how, how interesting that is. Uh, so did you change your writing style or your oh. Oh, this, yeah. And the style itself. So like the process, like, yeah, I, I wrote it nonlinear. The style itself, um, I did kind of adjust my voice slightly oh. um, because like Mary is from, you know, she's basically like a bit of a hick. <laughs> and she's from this, like, she's from this forest. And so her, the way she sees things, the way she interprets things is going to be through that lens. She has almost no experience of an outside world mm. she's been there her whole life until she leaves and then you have Samuel who's basically more like a you know a man of the world he's more upper class he has you know this this extensive education so his voice is different um like down to like using contractions and things like that like mm. you know but but more in a deeper sense like his vocabulary is larger he observes things differently than Mary does um, I really tried hard with that. It was the first time I'd, I'd really worked with two points of view and they're both first person. So I, I really wanted to make them as distinct as I could. Uh, but this was, again, this was the learning process for me. So it was the first one I'd done in that way. Um, and I think, I think it succeeded. I think they're, they're different. Um, and, uh, yeah, like Hessa, when you read Hall of Smoke, Hessa's voice is very like, you know, she is extremely devout, sacrificial. She's a little bit grim. Um, she's not terribly humorous. Mary's voice is quite humorous. Um, she's, you know, got this slightly like, you know, snarky sort of hick view of the world. <laughs> I say hick, but it's really not hick. She's just, you know, from a, a small town and, you know, grew up with an interesting company. So, yeah. No, it's cool. There's definitely differences. This yeah, yeah. this one is is different. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Did do do you think you have have you maybe I know it's like you know you're just writing book two in this new series, but do you have a preference now, like one versus the other? Like, no. Is it nice to switch back and forth? Yeah, I I think it's all like, yeah, I I I don't know. I find they're all they all come pretty naturally I think Hess's voice is probably the most natural for me mm -hmm. if I'm going to default and stop thinking about it I'll probably edge into Hess's voice oh. I tend to be a little bit of a pessimist um I tend to have very hard lines and things like that at least in my my initial instinct um and I tend to be a little bit jaded and grumpy so that's Hessa <laughs> but then you know like I, I think as authors every point of view 
um, that we're going to write from is going to come from us somewhere inside. There's some aspect of our personality that we can lean into, even if it's the villain, even if it's the worst person possible. There's some part of us that can relate to that person and find their voice. So it's just a matter of like just clicking my brain one way or the other. <laughs> I, I often, I also lean into voice heavier in later drafts, um, like, you know, closer into, even into line edits is where I'm really going to focus in on that character's individual voice. The first draft there might like between points of view, there might be almost no difference at all, but then I'm leaning into that later because it's, it's too overwhelming to try to work on that initially. I get, I'm very much a like, I'm very much a like a write in layers type person, um, like building it out and make, you know, the initial draft really is nothing. Like I, I almost, I, I would say almost now that I zero draft, like I don't even consider it a first draft. It's just, it's just like putting the sand in the sand pit yeah, yeah. Um, sort of analogy. That's um, a way to put it. And not worrying about it. It's just like, no, I'm just going to barf this onto the page and then, you know, the real writing is going to come when I'm doing rewrites, so. That's a good way to put it. You did mention something, though, that I just want to mention to the audience, because I've noticed this. I've taken what my fantasy book, and I've, I've so I, I pretty much did the zero draft like you were talking about, and I was like, I'm just going to get it on paper, just going to barf it out, and <laughs> clean up the mess later. Mm -hmm. But, like, I've noticed that <laughs> F2 has been harder for me because I just want to mention this because I think a lot of people haven't, I've never heard this discussed really. I've heard, you know, like, you know, like the sandbox and different things, but like, I just want to point out, like, I think the hardest thing for newer authors or for authors who have, you know, written like you've written Hessa, you know, or, you know, this type of style, I think the hardest thing to do now is after that zero draft is to learn in the different drafts going up, what are you going to focus on? Michael mm. talks about this a bit um, when him and I discussed this and he like, he has an entire process, like zero draft. He just does this first draft. He does only is worried about this. And I'm like, I think that's the hardest thing for me personally is like figuring out what I'm going to focus on, on the new draft or at different times. Cause I think, you know, you try to you know, you're trying to zoom out too much, you know, at different times. So I just think that a lot of people, I think that's probably what they're stuck with. Uh, mm. So if you're writing in the audience, I just want to point that out. That's what I've noticed that I've been getting stuck with recently um, with this particular book is because I'm not sure, you know, on draft two. So now I've done a lot better figuring out like, okay, I just want to figure this out, um, you know, and make this a little bit better and then worry about the next thing in draft three or add three or edit three or, or whatever um but i think that you said it really well there so that's awesome i'm gonna make you choose now <laughs> okay <laughs> so if you could go on one adventure with one of your characters who would it be and why oh it would definitely be mary no wait no no it's charles grant <laughs> oh, okay i didn't think you were gonna say that okay why is that so charles grant you meet him also in i think it's is it chapter one or chapter two i think it's chapter one of dark water daughter and he is a uh, former highwayman um who gambles too much and drinks too much um and <laughs> he's a charmer but he's prone to like existential crises and he has too broad of an education for his own good <laughs> okay so i understand yeah in his own what he's he has a, he has a sentence where he describes himself at some point and it's like uh i'm charming well educated and willing to do bad things so <laughs> awesome. 
he's fun. I, I, I would want to hang out with him. We could go on an adventure. And he's also, you know, relatively capable. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, he's, he's a fun character. I like him a lot. That's really cool. If Robert Downey Jr. does not play him in the movie, then I don't know what the director is doing. That's all I have. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh, no. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I can see him saying that line so well and selling, like, just yeah. selling the movie. Just, but, but younger. Just a bit of a younger Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you my know, God. Like, I'm going to mm, have to send it to you now. Like, 24, 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My buddy just sent me, it's so funny you said that, my buddy just sent me this kid who's around that age, and he goes, this guy is the next Robert Downey Jr., and oh, yeah? a small clip of what he was in, so I'll see him at the book sale later, I'm gonna have to ask him what the, because he's really great with actors and actresses' names, so I'll have to ask him, and I'll send that kid to you. We'll that would him. be great, that would be great. <laughs> and then, then you'll have somebody in mind in a couple years, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. really cool. Uh, so for seven here, when it comes to your books, what is one place you wish you could visit and why? Um, the Gistwald. Okay. Yeah, the, the Gistwald and Darkwater Daughter is just like this forest of ancient trees with tree spirits. It's very gloomy and it, it doesn't quite obey the seasons. So you'll have, it'll be midwinter and there'll still be, you know, this birch will be in leaf. Um, you know, there's... Uh, the gisting spirits can appear and they, they kind of manifest as, as different things from their surroundings, kind of a bit of a personality thing. Um, and it's it's just very mysterious, but also very warm. And yeah, awesome. I think it would, it's, cool. it's also a place where I would be less likely to die because most places <laughs> in my books are very deadly. So <laughs> say, yes. let's just yeah. stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm going to do a little segue because I've been, as you've been talking about this and I'm thinking of Hall Smoke and then, you know, I'm thinking of your blurbs for the other two books. And I'm just curious, have you, have you thought of writing like a Druid series at some point? Because I got to say, as one of your readers, I think you would do so well with it. And I think you would come up with like the coolest, like form of Druidry that I've seen in a long time. So I just want to ask that question. Have you ever thought of that? Uh, I don't I can't say I've actually I've thought of it very directly um you know I have sort of lately been leaning towards you know more classic fantasy classifications in terms of my characters because they're it's easier to market yeah um because readers immediately understand oh this is a cleric character oh this is a paladin character and they can you know connect and so it I would totally do something like like druid characters um it's actually got my my brain going now. I was just curious because you know <laughs> my my friend was talking. We were talking about this, you know, because um, we were talking about Hall of Smoke, and he was asking me some questions. I was trying not to get things away, and he's like, "Oh, okay." He goes, "So," and he's like, "Well, what did you like most about it?" I said, "I think the connection with the world building with like nature mm. and the earth, and I'm trying to think of ways to say it to not spoil for people." Um, but yeah, I just thought like you know your characters to me always seem to have a really good connection with the natural world mm-hmm. and I was just like it, it came to me a couple of days ago when I was thinking about something and I was like yeah I was like, I was like I think you'd do a really good job writing like something like that like a nature-esque you know like yeah well, so I was just curious yeah I, I maybe I maybe already did slightly like, I feel like the, you slightly did yeah like the main character in Pillar of Ash the fourth hollow smoke book mm-hmm uh no spoilers but they're descendants of hessa um so has had like babies um, <laughs> like 9 a.m that's awesome <laughs> so 
Um, the main character is Iska, Hessa's daughter, and she is very much a pacifist. She lives in the forest. She's a healer. She's working with, you know, herbs and stuff like that. And I, I think I kind of already did that. Awesome. I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> As I'm thinking about thinking like, I do, I work on a lot of books at once. I'm writing a lot of books at once. I tend to actually lose track of my characters sometimes. So it takes me a minute to like think through, but yeah. Yeah. And I would happily do a book where I leaned more into that kind of world. It's like, I live in a cabin in the bush. This is where I am the most at home. I'm in the forest all day, every day. Um, this is very much a natural kind of outpouring for me. Um, it's a, a, yeah, it's an environment I'm very comfortable in. So yeah, woodsy druidic stuff sounds great to me. I just, I don't know, like, cause we were, we were talking about authors and fantasy drafts and like who, because my brother, I was teasing him because he's really in the NFL and like, I love football, don't get me wrong, but like, I'm more into books and, but my buddy and I, we were, we were discussing that. We're like, who, my friend's just so funny. I'm going to hire him one of these days <laughs> because literally he, he gives me so many crazy ideas and he's like, who would you pick to write, you know, this character or this whatever, or this genre when they don't, like, don't. So we were discussing that and I was like, oh, this would be really, because we just watched the D&D movie. And I love oh, it was so good, eh? So good, yeah. And I love how they did the druid in there. And I was like, God, mm -hmm. I would do such a good job with this <laughs> with this character. <laughs> I was like, that's like I said, I was like, this is like I was you, and then my other friend, um, where I was like, yeah, I was like, I could see him doing like a sci-fi, um, doing like um, oh, like a Death Knight kind of thing, because mm. he kind of does something similar to that. And I was like, but not really, you know, it's more like a sci-fi setting. Um, like a Star Wars fantasy, whatever. But I was like, just a straight fantasy. I was like, I'd love to see him, you know, do that. So yeah, you were yeah. Two, uh, my two fantasy drafts uh, for authors. All right, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, cool. So uh, yeah, so I was just curious because it was been in the back of my mind. But yeah, that's awesome. I I loved Hessa. I loved how you did the natural world. Um, now you just told me that about book four. So you just blew up my TBR pile for the summer, but that's okay. Cause now I got it. Well, it doesn't come out till January. So you're that's safe fair. for a little bit. Well, <laughs> Although I can get you an arc if you want. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's fair too. So I'll have to definitely get book two and three um, up there a little bit quicker than I was thinking now. So that's fine. That's okay. Um, yeah. My, well, my wife, she said, she goes, well, do you want to save her book too for when we go back to the lake? And I was like, because it was, again, it was a very, it's called Lake George. It's a, such a natural setting. You know, mm. I thought like it was very similar, um, you know, not as because it's summer, you know, but um, it was funny because we were doing some hikes and stuff and going around the lake. And it was just so cool to be in that type of atmosphere. You know, I felt like mm. it was kind of Hess's atmosphere and, and reading about at the same time. So I was like, I don't know, next month I was like, maybe, like, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, it was really cool. But. Actually, Temple of No God takes place in summer, so it, it kind oh, of fits. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the opening is winter though, so oh. I think I think uh, a lot of readers uh, walk away from my books with the impression that um, they're all wintry, uh, mm. because I often open and end with wintry scenes. But the the core of this book is actually summer, uh, oh, which cool. I have to remind my own self. <laughs> Because my favorite scenes are the winter ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, oh, and then that last one. So, of course, do you have any news, updates, promos, or current projects that you can share with us? Yeah. So, well, Darkwater Daughter is coming out July 11th. Um, it's open for pre-order everywhere um, in print, ebook, and audiobook. The audiobook is going to be phenomenal. We've oh, got two great. narrators. We've got Moira Quirk and Samra Rukin. 
Oh, wow. Uh, Samuel, Samuel Rukin. Sorry. I can't, I don't know if I can sing that last name right. Um, anyway, it's going to be amazing. Moira Cork narrates like Gideon the Ninth and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Like, yeah. So wow. I am so excited to hear this production. Like I'm over the moon. Um, so that's coming. And then Pillar of Ash, the fourth book in the Hall of Smoke series is coming out January 16th. Um, it's already up for pre-order everywhere. Audiobook is coming a little bit later. Um, and then, yeah, Darkwater Daughter 2 is coming out next July. Uh, it's not open for pre-order or anything yet, but you can add it on Goodreads. Yeah. So this, so you're telling me that I could listen to Hall of Smoke on Audible today? Yes, and Hall of Smoke is now included in Audible's Plus catalog. So if you have an Audible subscription, you can listen to Hall of Smoke for free and check it out. So you get a sense for the series and the narrator, and then all of the other books are also going, like uh, Temple of No God and Bear of Winter are already there on Audible, and then Pillar of Ash will be coming uh, in January. Oh, I did not know that. That I'm ah. a good day. It's only 9.05. <laughs> it was a long week. I kind of earned this. So. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Cool. Yeah, I I am a passionate audiobook listener. Um, ninety percent of my reading is audiobooks because just sitting down and reading is not something I normally have time to do in my day. Uh, so I absolutely love audiobooks. I you know I highly encourage anyone listening to check out the audiobooks. The narrator for the Hollow of Smoke books, she was so. Um, she worked with me so closely on everything. Like she would email like, Hey, how, what do you think about the sound of this voice? And like, do you have actors that you'd like me to base this, this character's like, you know, voice off of and what accents do you want? We sat and worked through all the fantasy accents for this world. And she pulled them off and it like blew my mind. I'm like, can we have like a Scottish Welsh, you know, POV character voice? And she's like, yeah, I could do that. Oh wow! So, and then like, I think Barrow of Winter, the the people group, they had like a slight like Romanian accent. I'm like, this is what's in my head. This like, can we go slightly Romanian here? And that's what it ended up with. And she just put so much care and concern into these books. And I'm very, very happy with her. That's super cool. I was gonna say I had one credit sitting in my back pocket. So I'll have to do that. And I also love, I'm like such a geek about this now. Like I also love to do the audible on books I've already read. Mm -hmm. And especially if I haven't read like book two or three or four or whatever yet. Cause I feel like it's, it's like another layer of the onion. I feel like there's always something that I missed the first time or, you know, I know, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's, it adds depth for me mm -hmm. as like a reader and a, and a writer. I always learn something more. So that's really cool. Definitely I feel like it, it makes sense. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, get, it's getting into your brain in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. There's, there's like, and from, I know some people, they can't do that. Like audio just does not work for them. Yeah. Um, for me, that's how the story gets in my brain in the most visceral way. Like, yeah, really. For me, it's weird. Like I, there was somebody, I don't want to mention names, but there was somebody whose narrator ruined a book for me. Um, mm. because I was like, I was going to do that. And I tried, I tried. And for me, I, my friends like, you're so weird. I'm like, I know, but like, I have to read the book before listening to it because this happened to me. And mm. I thought that the person had the wrong narrator. And then mm -hmm. when they went back to redo them, by the time they went back to redo them, which is, we're talking like 10 years later, this author's been out for a while. I went back and read, the, I was like, I'm going to read the book instead. Mm -hmm. So I did that and I really enjoyed it, got up and I was like, okay, I'm going to like try this again. And then um when they switched to audible that person got a new narrator and it like 
totally enhanced the, you know, ah, enhanced it. Good. Ever since I had that one bad experience, I'm like, oh, I'm like, it was really bad. Like, I'm so glad that this author got a better narrator because it was, I've heard a lot of people say this about the older copies. It was really like, you know, the library copies as they used to call them on CD and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Really Some so of I'm, them are pretty rough. Like I've yeah. tried to listen to, um, like obviously writing a nautical fantasy with ships that have spirits. Um, everyone's like, oh, you have to read Robin Hobb like mad oh, ships, yep. magic ship series. And I was like, I've tried to like four times, but the audio narrator is yeah. not great. Yeah. And every time it's shut me down. And then I just, I don't have time to sit and read physical books, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like one of those like dream things for me, like someday I'm going to take a sabbatical three months off and I'm going to like read, you know, the live trade, is it live trade ships, live ships, live ships, something like that. Anyway, they're on my shelf. <laughs> someday I'm gonna just sit and read through them all or I, I just I, I mean I hope they redo the audiobooks yeah but. yeah yeah well I was so lucky that this person did because I was like I said to my buddy I was like I'm just gonna because I didn't know that I was like I'm just gonna bite the bullet and he goes I yeah. think the narrator's fine and I didn't realize that they had switched narrators because it'd been 10 years um you know I think it was longer than that I think it was like 15 years since the book came out 17 or whatever so yeah I was like it was definitely definitely made me as an author be like okay if I'm gonna be doing you know, like you, I'm like, if I'm going to be doing audio, I'm like, definitely need to find the right person because like, yeah. I want to have people experience it like yourself, you know, who don't have time or, you know, like myself where it's like, it adds to the experience and doesn't like take them out. So yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was definitely a, a very hard lesson to learn as an author. It, it can really make or break an audio. Yeah, book. yeah, totally. And you're talking about a whole new market that you can get into, you know? Oh yeah. And it's like, I have to do half the book I read for book club. I read half and then the other half I listen to in the car, you know, otherwise mm-hmm. I would never, you know, get a book done. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm very fortunate with the ones I listened to recently, but I'm definitely mm-hmm. doing all the smoke today. So I just got done with nice. another one for book club. Yeah. So that's exciting. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming out again. I look thank forward you for having to, me. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. I look forward to our next conversation, um, you know, and seeing, you know, how book two is doing, you know, for your new series and I definitely want to figure out what, you know, Hess's daughter's doing. Uh, so I can't wait for that. <laughs> so uh, we'll definitely have to, you know, leave an open date for us, um, you know, for mm-hmm. the winter. Um, that next season will be season four by then will be a little okay. bit more congruous because my son will hopefully be sleeping better by then um <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> yeah, not gonna win. Uh, my books will be um hopefully like you know i'll be on the back burner and just hanging out watching them release and stuff um so yeah i'll be really excited to uh, to do that so i'm gonna actually put you down um for a save a winter date for you for that already awesome yeah so i'm really excited to read you know temple of no god um here the next couple of weeks like I said I got some reviews coming out um so Hall of Smoke will be one of them I'm actually gonna do the I'm gonna do the the book um print and then the audible too um we'll just I'll just do those right um in the same one um awesome thank you yeah there's anything else we can do for you uh just let me know but uh I'll be um you want to send me a reminder I'll be posting your July 11th uh release date um okay put it everywhere um but if there's anything else i can do for you in the meantime just let me know um like i said i'll send you an email out for this and you know we'll help you out as best as we can thank you so much it was great to talk to you and you too <laughs> hopefully i'll talk to you soon on social media yeah i'll see you around yep, have a good, <laughs> have a good day, day. bye